Get ready to tune in to stories of average men striving for greatness to become the leaders that are needed in their homes, in their career, and their communities. This is the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the one and only show that brings you real life advice on how to be a better man. My guest today is Dave Mann. Dave is a father of two and now a grandfather of four, which is, I'm sure, pretty exciting. And he'll talk about it. he's been married in his second marriage for 24 years. He re- he's retired from the fitness industry and as a cameraman in the world of TV. And he still does some camera work. And he is uh, survivor of two heart transplants. Can't wait to kind of dig into some of those stories. But first, as a man who desires to live to up to his full potential as a father, husband, and leader, you need a tribe that will challenge you and help you grow. If you haven't joined the Brotherhood of Fatherhood Facebook group yet, be sure to hop on Facebook and search the Brotherhood of Fatherhood. It is a great group. It's valuable. There's a lot of great guys saying a lot of great things and sharing their uh, experiences in life and helping each other out. So join that group, hop on Facebook if it's working (laughs) and, uh, and join that group. Dave, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. uh, And I want to thank you. It's an honor to be on here. I've done some uh, binging of your, uh, of your podcasts and uh, found that they're very interesting. That's good. I'm so glad to hear it. I always love it when someone new pops in and gives me feedback because, you know, you're in a a one-dimensional world here. You're recording, you're talking to people, and those people, of course, love what they're saying. I love what they're saying most of the time, and then it's crickets because there's not a lot of feedback in this world, but um, you've obviously been following a lot of the stuff that I'm doing. I can kind of see you commenting and and things in social media, so that's been really fun to have you kind of join in. And we found each other by, well, you reached out to me because I had a podcast with Mark Black and I, I right. interviewed him for my stories that sell podcast listeners. If you have any interest in entrepreneurial uh, or business endeavors, hop on there. You'll learn a ton of stuff. Even if you don't, you'll learn a lot of things, but you're here. So be here. But I, that was such a good interview on stories that sell that I also put it on brotherhood of fatherhood and you listen to the stories that sell podcast because you, you know, Mark, you're from the same area. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I've known Mark. Mark got his, um, got his transplant. Uh, I think it was maybe six months before I got mine. Wow. Wow. He was, he was, he was in Toronto, uh, Ontario, and I was in Ottawa, uh, which is about, uh, 400, 500 mile or kilometers difference uh, between us. So, yeah. So you guys met each other in the world of, uh, post-surgical, heart transplant. Is it kind of like a, is that a tight, is there like a group of people that talk or how did that meeting occur? Well, um, it's, I, I mean, I followed Mark because he was from New Brunswick. Right. Um, so my wife and I were following him and, uh, we don't go to the same church, but, uh, I did go to the church that he goes to, uh, earlier in my life. Um, and, uh, and of course, we we just followed him and uh, in the news and whatnot. And then uh, when I came home after my, I think it was after my second transplant. It might have been my first, but I did a uh, talk to doning parents 
um, and um, uh, or donating survivors uh, mm -hmm. of donors. And, um, and I met him there also. So yeah, and then I've met him on and off on different things that he's involved in. So very cool. However, you know, having to get two heart transplants isn't very cool. Tell us the story <laughs> behind behind that, if you will. Well, I, I'll give you I'll give you the 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 snapshot story of it. It's uh, it's a very complicated story, and and uh, I just have to say I I'm very I'm I'm terrible with names, but I was listening to a podcast, and you were talking to the guy, and and he was talking about writing a book, and 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 I'm the same way. I have sixty five thousand words written right now for a book that. Um, but he made it very clear, and, and this is what my problem is too. He said to you, he said, I, I'm a storyteller, not a story writer. Mm -hmm. And that's where I am right now. I'm a storyteller. So um, I'm looking for somebody that, that I can uh, get to write my book. So this goes all the way back. Um, I just want to mention my childhood to, to begin with, because it does come into the conversation. Um, in my childhood, I grew up in um, a very large number of foster homes. Um, I lived on and off with my parents for the first seven years. And then after that, I was in the uh, uh, childcare system uh, up until I packed my bags at 17 and, and uh, headed east. I didn't go west. I went east because the only family I knew was east. So, um, and... Uh, but at age 29, I was um, uh, I was working for the TV station. I hadn't got into the news part of it yet. I had just started working for the TV station, and I was just learning all of the different aspects of it. And uh, one day, I just I wasn't feeling well, and uh, ended up going to the hospital um, and had a massive heart attack. Wow. Uh, a third of my third of my heart was uh, killed or died. And uh, they basically said that I would never work again. And uh, the president of the station came into me and said, you know, like, uh, you know, he was sorry and knew that I had just had a, a, my, my youngest daughter was only a couple of years old at that time. And uh, he basically said that, um, you know, I, I laughed. I said, no, no. I said, I'll be back to work. I said, you know, I said, I'm too young to sit at home and do nothing. I said, I'll be back to work. And he basically said, if you want to come back, he said, there's a job here for you. So that was at age 29. I went for 11 years uh, after that and didn't have any major, any major problems uh, in those in those 11 years, uh, I had cl climbed uh, with the young people of uh, the church that I was attending. I had climbed Mount Katahdin twice. That's in Maine. Uh, and, and that's not where you're climbing with ropes, but it's a, it's a very big hike. It's a, it's, I think it's three meters short of a mile. Uh, they put a sign up that, that made it tall enough that it, it, it's, it's a mile. Um, so, um, I, have done that, uh, and, and I've done a lot of other things and I was just, I was having mild, mild heart attacks and, uh, and then, um, in, uh, let me see, it was 79, it was 91 or 92. Um, uh, I started having more frequent heart attacks. And I mean, the stories that go along with those are the, the stories that I want to write. They're very interesting stories and, and some very, 
miraculous ones. And if we have time, I, I would I would love to tell you one where where if you want to talk about miracles and talk about where Jesus is is in someone's life, I, that that's an amazing story. But anyways, uh, my where my heart had died, they they said, okay, your heart is actually pushing out blood clots. And that's why I, I kept having heart, heart attacks. It's just having them like I, I could have like one a week or one a month. Wow. And it was just ridiculous. So finally, they said, okay, you need to have open heart surgery. And um, so I was uh, 31 or no, 29 and then 39. So I'm, I'm 42. And I need open heart surgery. So they, they did open heart surgery. And they cut off a third of my heart. And I said to the doctor, I said, like, how do you do that? You know, and he basically said, well, he said, we take the heart. And he said, we take the bad part off. He said, we put a piece of felt in there. And then he said, we bend it over and we sew it together. And he said, that's what you have for a heart. So so that did me for, uh, again, for uh, another number of years. And um, and then uh, I I met my my wife. at the at the gym and uh we decided uh, after a year that we were going to get married and uh, we had a uh uh counseling with our pastor on uh, uh marriage counseling and uh and he <laughs> i laughed because he said to her he said do, do you realize what you're getting into this guy has got like a really bad history <laughs> with heart and <laughs> And she said, yes. And uh, we were married in May. And in September was the first time I had had a heart attack after that. And every year I was back in the hospital, back in the hospital uh, with more heart attacks and more heart attacks. And um, overall, over my period of my life uh, that we know of, I've had just over 30 heart attacks. Um, my, uh, My doctor, when I was 29, told me that I was having heart attacks all of my life before that, like as a teenager. Uh, I was really into sports and running and everything. And I used to pass out all the time. And, you know, they would just say, like, he didn't, he wasn't eating properly. They, I just, I was one of those people that just fell through the system. And, um, but anyways, uh, it, uh, it came time for me to, uh, that they said, okay, you need to have a heart transplant. And uh, they told me to pick a hospital. They gave me a number of hospitals. So I decided I would go to Ottawa and I went up there. And now I, I, was, I was into bodybuilding. So in, in 1994, uh, in 92, I had open heart surgery. And in 94, I had to have a pacemaker put in. Um, and um, that's when the, the TV station uh, basically, they, they, they Every time I'd have a heart attack, I'd have to leave, of course, and then I would come back. And finally, after I had the pacemaker put in, they came to me and said, look, Dave, we're, we're sorry, but you're too much of a liability. We can't, oh, wow. our, insurance companies, our insurance company can't handle you anymore. So, you know, and I mean, I, I understood that, you know, because I mean, I, I was having heart attacks, just taking a bike ride to work, you know, and that's when they had to put the pace, or not when they had to, but. Um, so anyways, I had to have a, a pacemaker put in and, um, uh, I, I got that put in and, uh, then I was, uh, still having, having heart attacks. 
And then they finally said, okay, in 2000 and, um, 2001, they said it, I, uh, they wanted to send me up and introduce me to the doctors. So I was in really good condition. I was, uh, oh, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I wanted to get to the point of having the pacemaker put in, in, in uh, uh, when I was uh, 44. And they said that I would never train again. And I continued training. And in 1997, I won the master's championships for New Brunswick. Wow. Uh, yeah. So um, uh, I trained, uh, I went up to, to the hospital in, in Ottawa and um, I, I was with my wife and I carried my luggage into the hospital because uh, I knew I would have to stay. And the do one doctor came in and he looked at me and uh, he looked around the room and he said, are you Dave Mann? And I said, yes. And he said, did I just see you carrying your luggage in here? And I said, yes. Well, why are you here? And I said, well, I need a heart transplant. And he just laughed, he said, no. He said, you're not in bad enough shape to get a heart transplant. There's just no way. And um, anyways, they said that they were going to do some tests and they came back and they said, yeah. They said, there's no viability in your heart. They, they could not figure out how I was in the shape that I was in. And uh, he said, you need one within six months. I said, you're going to need a heart within six months. Uh, that was in uh, July and it was six, almost six months to the day that I got the call. And um, I was actually in the gym training the day before I got the call. That was for my first one. And then I went for, um, I went for six years, had another heart attack. And I went up, I had a, a, a stent put in and then I had another heart attack. And then they said, okay, you need another transplant, but this will be your last one. You will not get a third one. Your second one will not last you any longer than your first one. Uh, and they were almost right on the money because uh, six years after I got my second one, I had a heart attack. Uh, went in, I had stents put in and, and now my, I'm just basically deteriorating. The, the I'm not, the, the heart is, um, and the vessels are just, closing up uh, the same as they were before and uh, I'm just not eligible for another one so I just keep going by the grace of God and I uh, I try to get to the gym three or four times a week and I wow. do what I can and I've totally changed the the way of course the way that I've always had to I've never been able to train the way a, a normal person goes in and train my my training when I was competing my my training um uh, was was always an hour and a half to two hours because I could never get it down to that 45 minutes. My heart wouldn't take that. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, uh, and then after my um, little incident that happened uh, two years after my first transplant, I was, I was totally ready to go into another competition. Uh, I was 195 pounds. I was two weeks out from the show. Uh, I was as hard as a rock. I, I was in the best shape of my life. And I came home on a Thursday night and I was having a really hard time breathing. And my wife said to me, she said, you got to go to the hospital. I said, no, no. I said, it's just because I haven't been able to do any cardio. And finally, after two hours, uh, you know, she, she convinced me and actually she called my pastor and had my pastor come down and, and they convinced me I had to go to the hospital. I went to the hospital and uh, the doctor said, he said, you got a spot on your lungs. 
And I, I was laying there and I'm literally, literally laying there and I'm thinking, okay, I got two weeks to the show. If I just lay low and I take it easy, I can still make it to this show. So I said to him, I said, okay. I said, so I'll just go home and take it easy. And he just laughed and he had this folder in his hand, like my folder is very thick, um, my medical folder. And he basically said that, uh, no, he said, uh, you're not going home. The next morning, um, uh, I had a spot on the other side of my lung. This was on Friday morning. By Sunday, my lungs were full up. I, I couldn't breathe. They had to fly me to Ottawa. And uh, I was so bad that when the, as soon as the plane took off and, and got to altitude, I just, I was out. Yeah. And I only came to as the plane came back down. And um, I got into the hospital. Uh, my wife was already there. And um, I, I basically was laying on the bed and I said, look, I said, you got to do something. I said, I can't breathe. I said, I'm dying here. And uh, he just slid a piece of paper over to me and said, are you able to sign this? And I just signed the paper. They put me under and I was under for 16 days. When they put me under, they told my wife, they said, call the family. He's, he's not going to make it. Sorry. They said he's not going to make it. They had no idea what was wrong. And um, anyways, uh, as I said, I was 195 pounds as hard as a rock when I went into it. When I came out 16 days later, I weighed 143 pounds and I couldn't even stand up. Oh. I was that, I was just, they basically told me, they said that your body just ate itself back to life. That's what happened. You, you know, if you hadn't had the muscle mass that you had, you never would have made it. You know, throughout my whole life, all everything I've been through, I never once said, God, why me? Until that minute. Mm -hmm. At that time, my pastor called me a couple of days after I came out and I said to him, I said, you know, Dave, I said, why? Why now? Why would God allow this to happen now? I was at my peak. I was ready to go. I only had two weeks left. Why? And he said to me, he said, maybe this isn't about you. Maybe this is about God. Maybe this is showing people what God can do. And you know, during that whole time, I found out later and to the people that have been involved with me since then, that's the moment that people said, it was God that was working. It was God that was working in your life. So yeah. People wouldn't have said that if I had a walked on stage, right? You know, but to turn around and you know uh, for that to happen. So that's just one of the one of the little stories of my life. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it is it's, a, it's absolutely. I mean, it's a little gut wrenching. It's it's very emotional. But <laughs> you, um, the fact that you had been bodybuilding and that your body had probably 50 pounds. It sounds like you lost about 50 pounds, 50. It, yeah. it fed itself on 50 pounds of muscle for survival. Yeah. If you had not yeah. been doing that, you know, it, it's just, it's such an incredible story. Uh, what, what ended up happening with your lungs at that point? You, I mean, how did, how did that all get fixed? And well, well, it's really, it's, it, it, it never really got fixed. It's, mm. it, it went away. They have no idea what it was. Um, of course, I mean, with heart problems, 
um, and and kidney problems and and everything, um, and like the medications that that Mark and I have to take because of transplants are, the the side effects are just terrible. Okay, and um, but you know I mean it's it's you know I think Mark said right it's it's live or die right you take them you live you don't take them you die, um, so yeah so the side effects are uh, so. You don't know if if that episode caused more of the fact that I can't breathe. Like I have no cardio whatsoever, right? right? I mean, I just I just walk up a set of stairs and I, I have to sit down, you know. So, uh, but I, I like when I train, I, I go to the gym and and I do a set. I have to take a five minute break, okay. And and I'm not doing super heavy, right? Okay? Like okay, but I I you know in, in order to do it. You know, and and if I go on the bike, then I have to regulate my speed, and and I'm always, you know, and I always go just by my breathing, you know, and uh, and and I can go for you know whatever amount of time that is good for that day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you certainly, I would assume, you certainly have to live with a little different mindset than almost everyone out there. But I actually believe that that mindset is probably a very winning mindset. I've interviewed folks, uh, men on this podcast, uh, one who's passed away since I, since I interviewed him and, and he was prepared. He taught, you know, he lived the life that exemplified how you want to live a life. Um, and go, and I've talked to several others still living who there, they spent a good amount of their time preparing for death. And I don't, I don't want to sound morbid, but you have such this, I mean, just when you said, I'm not viable for a third transplant. I don't understand that. Like, like personally, I can't, I can't understand it when we have, uh, it's a life. You're, you're, well, you're a living, breathing person. How does that happen? Well, I mean, what you, what you, what you have to realize is, is that you see, I have, I have coronary artery disease. So it's not only the heart, it's my arteries. Mm. Okay. So it's my, like, they can't replace, like they can replace the carburetor. Okay. But if your gas, if your gas line is clogged, right. A new carburetor is, is going to get, it's going to give out. And that's what it is with mine. Right. Even if they give me another one, it's, it's going to give out. They have to stop at some point. And, and, you know, um, need to realize like there's thousands of people that are waiting on you know on transplants and i i really like right now you have to sign a document saying i want to be a donor you know i would love to see it be the opposite way i would love it to see that you have to sign to say no i don't want to be a donor because if everybody was a donor okay and 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 they had to say no i don't want to be there would be no lineups Dave, this is such a, this is, I, we talked about this before. This is such an incredible shift in mind. I'm a donor, but I had to do the work to yeah. become a donor. Right. And I'm sure it's different Absolutely. in Canada than it is in the United States, but you still have to go through and sign the paperwork and do all the official things. Such an absolutely incredibly easy process. <laughs> Why do you think that our governments can't figure that out and switch it? Oh, oh, yeah. 
We can't get into why. We can't get into why our governments do what they do. Right, that is for sure. But but really, I mean, is there is there a drive out there to change that? Is there is there a push? Yeah, there has been. Yeah, there has been. There has been a push, especially in Canada. Uh, There's been a number of different people, but it really it doesn't seem to. It seems to get to a certain point and then it's it disappears. Hey guys, this is Scott. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, but I did want to interrupt for just a second because I am super passionate about a new tool that I've found and been using for the last month or so. And if you're like me, the thought of writing copy puts me into cold sweats. But we all know that writing blogs, social media posts, web copy, ads, and more are part of life and can make a considerable impact on moving the needle to success in your business or job. We all know how difficult it can be to wrangle ideas, action words, and details, not to mention time constraints. Fear not. I have found a solution that allow, will allow you to easily crank out stunning copy in minutes. It's Jarvis, guys. It's probably hit your social media feed and you think it's too good to be true, but it is not. Jarvis is the latest artificial intelligence technology that will help you create content at lightning speed with little effort on your part or hefty fees for writers. You fill in two easy steps, and it'll lay out descriptive paragraphs, both short and long-form articles, bullet lists, social media posts, blog posts, ad copy, SEO copy, Google ad copy. It gets super detailed. There are tons of templates to choose from. It's totally up to you. It's two steps, and it blows me away every time I use it. In fact, it just keeps getting better and better. So if you're like me, the thought and thought it was too good to be true, trust me, this product kicks ass. I literally use it every single day for personal and professional use. Just go try it for free and use my link. uh, And it's in the show notes. I'm not going to read it to you because it's crazy. But go into the show notes, click on the link, sign up for your free trial. You will never look back. And this is a great way to support this podcast. Super simple for you, for your business. Send it to your boss. Send it to your friends. It will revolutionize workflow. The link is in the podcast notes. And if you want to support the Brotherhood of Fatherhood, this is a great way. You, you know, the right people I mean, people push it. Personal experiences. Yeah, yeah. People push it. People push it and push it. You know, it's it's like the... Uh, it's it's like the drunk drivers right you know uh the mad movement right Uh, you don't hear anything about it until somebody's killed by a drunk driver and then all of a sudden it's all over the news again and then it just dies out again yeah yeah well that's really too bad because it, it, it you know we're so concerned our governments are so concerned about saving and preserving life and then there's just these and 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 hey look in 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 america at least you know, we, we are freedom focused, right. And it's a little different than I, I have a lot of friends in Canada and they talk to me about the different ways that we kind of approach things and see freedom in America. It might be seen as an infringement on freedom. And I can understand that. However, it's super easy to opt out, you know, like, yeah, maybe it's a, you go online, you click a button, (laughs) like it's super easy. Uh, It just, sometimes it just bewilders me when we have the very simple solutions to uh, people dying where heart transplants have come so far. I mean, you know, right. Oh yeah. And it's, it's, 
saving people's lives. And I, I imagine, and I want you to kind of speak to this because I, you know, you've had conversation, com- probably conversations with people who have had loved ones donate. Like I would yes. imagine there's a lot of joy. <laughs> I'm sure it's very, very heavy with emotion, but I'm sure there's a lot of joy in that my loss gave every somebody else life. Oh, yes. And I mean, it's with donations today. I mean, it's, you know, when you sign that donor card, it's, it's not only a heart or a kidney or a lung, it's, it's skin, wow. right? It comes right down. It comes right down to the fact of just skin, right? You can, you can donate skin. You can donate parts of your eye. It, you know, I mean, there's just so much that can be donated, right? And, you know, and, and, and I've talked to and listened to people who have said, you know, like, like they didn't, they didn't save uh, 14 people's lives, but they impacted 14 different people from one person, you know? I mean, that's just, that's just phenomenal when you think about it. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about the skin, like the be, being able to reuse eyes, skin, uh, yeah. internal organs. I don't even know what else, but I'm sure the list is oh. pretty extensive at this point. Oh, it is. I mean, it's incredible when you really sit down and you look at all of the things, right? I mean, like the skin for burn burn patients, right? I mean, it's just, yeah, it's it's phenomenal. That's, inc- that's incredible. Yeah. I, I, I love the bigger purpose vision of taking that action and making sure that you're a donor. Of course, you need to have that conversation with your, your spouse, uh, you know, the, yes. at least let them know. I, I'm not sure that they have to decide, but I think it's just good general, good marital practice. Well, to converse about those it, things. What, one of the, one of the problems that they're running into now is that you can sign a donor card but if, if your spouse or your parents say, no, no, he, he had changed his mind, they can, oh, wow. they can turn around and say, they can turn around and say, oh, all right. Yeah. So your spouse can, can overwrite that. So you actually need not only, I mean, you need to do that, but if you're really sincere about it, you need to go to the next step and put it in your will. Yeah. Well, have covered it in your will. Yeah. I know you can't prepare for the way that you're going to respond to a loved one's death, but my wife and I talk about this quite a bit. I mean, we've been married for 25 years and it's been more than five, six, seven conversations where he's like, you know, I want, I want to be a donor. I want, I want to contribute in that way. So I believe wholeheartedly, especially if our, our relationship, she would be yes, absolutely. And I would be the same for her. Um, you know, so I want to shift a little bit because that's a fascinating um, situation where just a little bit of push and we could change the dial of, you know, heart recipients. And I, like I said, you just never know when it's going to impact your life, whether it's you or someone close, then everything gets a lot more serious at that point. It's better to be proactive, but I want to talk about, you know, with Mark, we talked a lot about resilience and, um, how you live in a way that even with, I mean, you, you literally cannot function the same as most human beings as what, as part of like that cardiovascular functioning. Um, I want to talk about, no. go ahead. 
No, you 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 finish. Okay. I'm sorry. No, I want to I want to hear from you some of the like the practical, tactical, um, strategic, and and mindset shifts that you've had to make to kind of live in this body that you've been given on this world. Okay, so I I want to go all the way back to when I was 30 years old, after a year after my my first major heart attack. Um, I I I had a depression. Um, because, you know, I didn't know what I was going to be able to do or anything. And my doctor made a comment to me. I was in his office and he made a, a statement. He said, Dave, he said, you can die just as fast sitting on your couch than you can being out on the track. Okay. And because he knew that I, I, at that time, I wasn't into bodybuilding, but I was more of a runner. I was athletic. And he said, you know, basically, I could die just as easy doing one or the other. I literally left his office and went over to the university in Moncton, and I joined the SEPs where they had a track. And I started uh, uh, walking the track, started running the track. And then I realized that my, my capacity uh, wasn't there for running. And um, I walked into a gym and, and uh, uh, I'm still friends with this guy. And I actually, I ended up working for him, um, uh, doing some, uh, some technical computer work to help him set up his gym and then worked with him. Uh, but I walked into his gym and uh, I, I said to him, I said, I'd like to join the gym. And I said, I'd like to, you to give me a program that's going to help me to get a little bit stronger. And, um, and, and I said, now I said, you need to know, I said that I just had a major heart attack, but I said, I'm okay. I'm, I'm able to train. And he just looked at me and he went, Manick, <laughs> and he just called a girl over and he said, you take this guy. Oh my <laughs> I gosh. don't want anything to do with him. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so I, I just started out in the, in the gym and it was only a matter of uh, a couple of months and, and I started uh, training with a guy that was getting ready to do, uh, to do a bodybuilding show. Yeah. And, um, and, and I, just, I just continued and training has been a, a tremendous part of my life. And, and um, like I said, I mean, I was training the day before I got my, um, uh, uh, my first transplant. And um, I was back in the gym two weeks out, two weeks after I got out of the hospital. Uh, I was straight back into the gym. So it's, it's just, you, you can't, you can't give up. Uh, and, and that's, that basically has been my attitude. I mean, you know, um, you just have to do, you have to modify, like I've got to modify everything that I do. And, and you, you just do what you can do and you'd really be surprised how much you can do. Okay. I mean, you know, I, I, I've had, uh, I've had people look at me there before I had my um, uh, second transplant and you know and see what I was bench pressing and just you know just stand there shaking her head like like this this is just ridiculous you know and and you know so yeah I re I remember the time I we were in and um we were doing uh we had we were doing a leg day and uh 
I was I was very heavy, uh, going very heavy on a leg press. Uh, the girl that I was with was doing 750. Okay, so she she was she was in good shape too. Anyways, we finished the day off uh, or that training session off with doing wide grip um, uh, knee raises. So we were hanging and just raising our knees, working our abs. And I got a pain in my chest. And I, you know, I, I stopped and I went over and sat down while she did hers and, and kind of went away. And I did it again and pain came back. And after the third time, there was a paramedic in the gym. So I went to him and I told him and he said, I think maybe we better take you to the hospital and went to the hospital. I'm literally lying on the bed telling the doctor and my wife is standing there and I'm telling the doctor that I pulled a muscle and she's telling me, she said, you're having a heart attack right now. She said, you're having a heart attack. And and I said, no, no, I pulled a muscle. (laughs) My wife says, Dave, will you shut up? (laughs) You're having a heart attack. Right. So, you know, I mean, it's, things like that, that have just happened to me. And I just, you know, I just keep going. Yeah. I mean, you kind of this denial of the heart attack. So we could look at this two ways. It's either you have functioned better because you've looked past what's really happening and, and just functioned out of a, this is going to help, or I'm doing this because I love it without the consequence in mind, but the consequence has actually been things that have, it's actually helped you. But it's either that or, you know, it's such a part of life that you don't really notice it. I, and I, do you feel like you have, like, is it more of a, like, no, that's not really happening? Or is it, this is just a regular part of life? Or is there a mix there? Of, no, no, it's, no, I know, I know that it's happening. Yeah. Uh, I, I know, I know. Um, and, 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 and it's a, it's a part of life. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, I would, I would go crazy if, if I couldn't go to the gym at all, or I thought, you know, like that, that's probably, that's probably one of my, my deepest fears is that the time will come, right. That I won't be able to do anything. Yeah. And, you know, um, that I'm, I'm not, I'm not looking forward to that day. Um, it'll, it'll come, you know, but I, I remember one nurse, uh, she told me, she said, look, she said, you're the kind of guy that you'll get your wife to take you and push you out into the middle of the field with your camera and, and you'll just sit there all day taking pictures. So you will not just do nothing. You will, you will continue to find something to do. And, and that's just, you know, I've always, I've always done that. Right. I've always just wanted to continue, keep going. I, I love that mindset. I love that way of living because I think it's a, it's an abundant way of living. It's, it's, I don't know what my limitations are, but I'm not going to pay attention to them. I'm just going to do what I can do in this moment. Um, you, you, I want to come back to that doctor that told you, Hey, look, you can die sitting in a couch or you can die doing the things that you do. I mean, what a gift, quite honestly, what yes. a gift from someone's oh, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I mean, I, I've been in the hospital a lot and I've had a lot, a lot of time uh, to talk to people. Okay. And to not only talk to them, I, I talk to them about 
two things. I talk to them about Jesus, but then I also talk to them about how they can help to heal themselves, how they can learn to, to understand their own body. Everybody's, everybody's body is different, right? But you have to learn how to understand it. Um, after my, my first major heart attack, um, it was about two weeks and I thought I was having another one and I was, the ambulance was called and I was rushed back to the hospital. I was soaking wet, sweating, just, you know, and I had a doctor, a young fella, he was just a young fella. And he said to me at that time, he said, Dave, he said, you're having a panic attack. He said, you have to learn how to listen to your body. And he said, if you can do that, there'll be no stopping you. Mm. And that's, that's basically throughout all of my training. That's what I've had to do. Now, I, like I said, you know, when I was having the heart attack, I denied it. Okay. I was listening, you know, but you know, I mean, you can still deny a little bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I want to get into maybe some deeper, this has been pretty deep, but some, maybe some deeper um, things and, and uh, I just, I, I want to hear from you, your, your approach to living life, knowing what we all should realize every single day is that this could be our last breath. We just literally, no one knows. We don't know if we're going to get hit by a bus or a train or something falls out of the sky and it's freak out. We just don't know. And I wish kind of try really hard to um, talk to people about this because I think men need to be prepared for that because they need to prepare for their, their families to be taken care of. I'm very passionate about that. Do the things now so that they are taken care of. And, you know, my wife used to tell me, you can't die. I don't know what I would do. And so, I mean, that hit me really hard and I had to make some massive changes. I'm still working through that. And I, I had a conversation with her the other day and she said, I, you know, if I don't make enough money to support their family. What happens if you leave? And there was just this beautiful moment where I'm like, this is what I've done. And I just rattled off. I have this, I have this, I have this. You will live better. If I leave, you'll be without me, but you will never have to worry. You have this kind of on you ominous thing. You could be seen as ominous. I don't think it's different from anybody else other than um, it's in your face. How are you dealing with that? And how do you live life daily knowing that that could be your last breath? Well, I guess, I guess, you know, I, I, I don't think about it all the time. All right. There are times that like, I will, I will um, uh, be run down and, and get very tired and I might think about it then, but 90% of the time, I don't think about it. I know where my limitations are. Mm -hmm. I know what I can do. Um, uh, like I'm going to do a video shoot uh, uh, next week. Um, and I know that like I, I have to get there early. I have to set up, uh, even if it's on my own dime. Okay. I have to get there early. I have to set up. I've got to make sure that I'm not under any major stress no major rushing it it where it would normal it the normal person it would take them one maybe two trips uh to get all of their gear in it might take me four or five okay but i have to learn to to just to live with that right i 
I've had the conversation. I've had the conversation with my wife. Three years ago, I had a health uh, uh, person tell me that uh, basically they couldn't do anything else for me. They said, this is it. We, we, we can't do anything else for you. And um, it, it just was like, wow, uh, all of a sudden, right? It's just, this is it. And um, she said, do you realize? She said, she, first she asked me, she said, have you thought of uh, assisted suicide? Okay. Um, and then she said, well, she said, really? She said, you wouldn't have to do that. She said, all you'd have to do is stop your medication and in two weeks you'd be gone. Okay. So, um, you know, I, I, never, I never thought I would do that, you know, but it, it, was, it was funny because it was probably a month after that, that my doctor called and said, listen, if you're willing to do whatever it takes, you may have to go on dialysis. You, you know, and, and if you're willing to do whatever it takes, she said, I can, I can get another two or three years out of you. And I said, hey, let's go for it. Let's do whatever we need to do to get it done. But in the meantime, I, I sat down with my wife and, and said, okay, what do we need to do, right? Well, we need to get everything prepared, right? Yeah. We need to have everything, everything done. Funeral arrangements, all of that. Everything needs to be done. The wills need to be done. They need to be updated, all of that. So we just, we sat down, it would be maybe three, three and a half years ago. And we did everything. We just went right straight through and we did everything. And, and, um, and now it's, you know, I, I don't, I don't worry about it. I, I, I just, I just try to keep going and keep going. You know, I, I can remember one time there before my, my first transplant, um, I had a friend come up to Ottawa and uh, he took me out for breakfast and he said to me, and, and unfortunately he passed away with cancer, but he said to me, he said, Dave, he said, how do you deal with the fact that they're going to put you under? And he said, they're going to take your heart, take it right out. And they're going to put another one in there. You're basically, you're running on a machine and you're, you're basically going to be dead. And I said to him, I said, Harley, I said, there's two things that are going to happen. I said, three things are going to happen. I said, they're going to give me a happy pill. I said, before they take me down. Right, right. And I said, I said, then they're going to take me downstairs. And I said, one of two things are going to happen. I said, I'm going to wake up and see Jesus, or I'm going to wake up and see Janice. <laughs> I can't lose. And, and I think... I think we want to go there. I think we want to talk about your faith because I know it's a big part of your journey. And I just love that. I'm going to go see Jesus. Or I'm going to see Janice. I think that is, you know, if I were to say pinpoint one thing from my point of view, that's, that's a big one. That's, that's big. And um, the fact that you're, you're thriving, you're thriving in a world that, you know, isn't, wasn't your body's not agree in agreement with it, but you're thriving. And I think that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, my, my, my faith, my faith has been, has been very strong. Um, my I, I, I never would have survived this without the support of my church uh, and my church family. Uh, it's been, it's been incredible. Um can I, can I tell you a quick story that I had mentioned earlier about um, knowing faith? 
I was on my bike one day. This is an 18 speed. Okay. So I'm just pedaling. And um, I started to go up a slight incline. And I just, in my head, I could feel it. I have to get off this bike. Okay. And um, so I did. I fell. Okay. The bike just went right over. I landed in a crosswalk. Okay. A woman across the street opens her door, sees me because she hears cars honking. And she calls the police, right? And says he's been hit by a car because she didn't see it. So she tells the police I was hit by a car. So the police come along. Now there's six police officers, okay? They're all standing there and they have me covered up as dead. Oh. Yes. A car comes along. The lady gets out of the car. I'm telling, she's telling me this story, this lady. She gets out of the car. She walks over to the police officers and she said, what happened? Well, we're not sure, but we think he, he, he was hit by a car and there's no pulse, nothing. And uh, she said, can I have a look? And she pulled the blanket back. They said, yes, she pulled the blanket back. And she said, oh my God, it's Dave. And she checked everywhere, no pulse. But she said, I knew you, I had to start CPR. She started CPR and not one single policeman started CPR. And you know why? They said, because if we start, we're not allowed to stop. So they wouldn't start it. She started it. Okay, the ambulance came. She's yelling at the ambulance driver. What took you so long? They were called DOA. He's already dead. She's, she's doing CPR, okay. I came to just as they're putting me into the ambulance. And my first reaction is they've got my neck supported, my head supported to pull this thing off. I know the ambulance driver because I've been in them so many times. Okay, and, and Brian is saying, Dave, settle down, settle down, you're okay, settle down. You say you don't see miracles today, okay? That lady was a nurse from the heart department of the city hospital. She had been working with me for years. Wow, yeah. She was in the right spot at the right time did CPR. She even asked my cardiologist, she said there was no pulse. How did that, how could he go so long with no pulse and still be alive? But I was. Yeah, that's obviously I'm a little choked up over it. Uh, <laughs> so I need a minute because I'm having a hard time talking. Uh, incredible. Absolutely phenomenal. And I would say it's a miracle as well. I'm sure some people could Absolutely. write it off as just like ultimate chance or just yes. no. luck. And I don't, you know, I'm, I believe we, we create our luck or the creator creates our luck. That's my, my belief. Um, wow. Uh, <laughs> you lived a, a really blessed life. You really have. I know, I, have. Oh, I know it's wrapped in a lot of tragedy, but it's really blessed. Yeah. 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 Um, I want to give you just a minute. I mean, we're running low on time, but I want to give you a minute or two. Um, I know it's, it's, it's kind of open floor. I want you to just 
say whatever you want to say to men listening, like that may be struggling, that maybe have some physical elements, maybe they're just struggling in life, uh, or or really just you know don't know how or why they're carrying on. I think you have a very unique perspective from living a full life uh, with with people giving you bleak outcomes all the time. I just want to open the floor to you. Well, I, I really, I really think that, that you've, you've got to put your family first. Okay. Now, even though I was divorced, um, I did, I still kept very close contact with my kids, very close with my grandchildren. Um, and it's, I, the faith, you know, I, I really, really think that you need to have faith. Oh, not only, not only is uh, in, in Jesus or in the spiritual, but you have to have faith in yourself and in life and what you can, what you can do, because you would be amazed, okay, at what you can do if you put your mind to doing it. And always, always trying to do whatever you can for others. Okay. Throughout all of this, um, I have I have always come back. I've come back to the church, and I've always said, "Okay, what can I do here?" I was very. I've always been very involved in the church. I used to do all of the videos and everything, and then after all of this care, it had to be handed off. But I still go in every week and do camera or switch, whatever. We have an online service. I, I still get involved in, in the church. Um, and the, you know, and, and the same with my wife. I mean, when we're able to get when to church in person, we're not there yet. Um, I just got my third vaccine last week uh, um, in Ottawa because I was up there for a checkup. So um but I, I just, you, yeah, I, I think faith is the, is the number one, uh, number one thing. And, and just don't give up. Yeah. Just don't give up. You know, you, you can't, there's always something, there's always something that you can do. I can, I, you know, I, I mentioned it earlier. I can remember doing, doing workouts where it was 45 minutes and I come out of the gym and say, oh man, I feel great. All right. And now I'm down, I, I'm at the gym now and, 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 and I'm literally there for an hour and a half and I'm taking five minute, five minute breaks, you know, between sets. And, uh, but, but I, at least I got to work out. That's a great attitude. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think a big takeaway is obviously I, I talk frequent as I can about this is that I have a, a value ladder. The very first thing is my faith. And that's incredibly important because there's so much power in it. And, um, you know, my faith is in God and I, that's, that's where I find it, you know, but that faith is a driving force. that's really hard to, to uh, really reckon with. And now you have, you have taken and like you, you're, you're looking at things, even though they're challenging, which is another thing I'm very passionate about. And you just look at them in the face and move through it. You know, it's, it's why I have the Buffalo or the bison behind me on the picture. And that's, it's so incredibly important. It's a reminder to me. I have them in multiple places in my house. My entire family knows the stories and we talk and we have that thing. If you're 
going through something rough, just go head for it, head first, just go into it. And you've been basically, you've been basically charging into the storm your entire, entire life. And I I really respect that. I really do. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Done. Um, I know you're on social media. I, I think your your story is going to to touch lives, and uh, and and just want to encourage people to reach out to you if that's the case. And and yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, uh, there. It's um, it's the uh, uh, Facebook is just uh, Dave and Janice Mann, um, and they can they can grab me there. I think you have a link for that, so yep. they can they can reach out there if they have any questions or anything. You know more than willing to talk and answer them. Yeah, it's wonderful. I want to thank you personally for thank you reaching out. I think, uh, you know, it, it's hard when people reach out, you just don't know. And I kind of gave you the ninth degree, like, who are you? What's your story? Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. And we jumped on that phone. I was like, oh yeah, this guy, I got to talk to this guy. And I, and I'm so glad that we could provide you with a, with a platform. And I hope you get more platforms to share your story. Cause I think it's life-changing. I think it's if people, if it doesn't make people think then they're dense. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. If you're not well, thinking now you're dense. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah. I agree. I thank, agree. You. thank you so well, much. I'm glad you're in my Thank mind. you, sir. All right. I appreciate it. Okay. You have a good day. Thank you for listening to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and follow us on social media. If you are a father, make sure you join our Facebook group, the Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more podcasts from the Brotherhood of Fatherhood.